Buzz Babies, welcome back to another episode of Blake's Buzz, and this week I have got a comic book icon, he's written Daredevil, he's written 007, he's written Swamp Thing, he's done a lot of great indie work too, I've got Andy freaking Diggle in the house, I don't know if you guys have seen, he's got an amazing campaign going with Boom Studios right now on Kickstarter, it is inching close to $1 million, that is insane, and I'm so excited to talk to him. Andy, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you for the amazing intro. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I like to lift you guys up. You know, I gotta get, I gotta, gotta get you hyped up to to talk the comics, man. I need more of this in my life, frankly. So keep it coming. It's all good. <laughs> uh, as we as we mentioned, it's 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 been really fun to to watch this campaign just just literally like take off, burst out of the atmosphere, and travel the cosmos, right? Uh, and it's it's amazing and you know this boom has been um you know boom's been doing some really cool kickstarters but none of them have taken off like this um i, I mean do you think is it like the novels are fairly popular i know but it, i mean do you think it's because of the, the the tv show is that do you think that's got more people funneling into the campaign i think it's probably a combination of both you know it's just that people just love the expanse and they want more mm -hmm. you know i mean like i wish i could take all the credit myself you know but it's <laughs> you know regardless of who was writing it, uh, the the comic I think it would, you know, people want more, you know, and the, yeah. the I mean, the, the series of novels, you know, won the Hugo Award, you know, for mm -hmm. a series. The TV show is a is a really faithful and smart and fun adaptation. You know, it's it's kind of it's proper sci-fi with characters you care about, uh, but the science still makes sense, and that's a combination that you don't always get, in especially on you know on the small screen. Um, and and I'm a huge fan, you know, I'm 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 a screaming firehawk myself, you know, uh, so. You know, when John Moisen at Boom, when he first reached out to say, would you have any interest in writing a comic based on The Expanse? I, I practically pulled his arm off. You know, it was kind of like, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you if you'll let me write The Expanse. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll like, do it for free. <laughs> it's the sort of thing, you know. And, you know, and, you and know, then you, you see know. the numbers and you're like, let's talk about that. Yeah, and, it was, you know, like, and this was just you know, as, a, as a direct market comic. There was no talk about Kickstarter and so on. It was just kind of like, you mm -hmm. know, it would, be, it would be just, you know, just a comic, you know, and it's work for hire and all the rest of it. And I'm like, yes. I mean, like most of the most of the comics industry is kind of by fans for fans, you know, like people who write, you know, Batman or Superman or the X-Men or whatever, they kind of tended to be people who grew up being fans of that stuff. And then they get a chance to write their favorite comic, you know, in, in later life. Um, but I didn't grow up reading superhero comics. You know, I kind of grew up reading, you know, 2000 AD and then and then kind of jumped to Vertigo and so on in the kind of 90s. Okay. Um, so it's not like, you know, people always ask in interviews, you know, are there any characters you really want to write? And yeah, sure. But they're, they're rarely superheroes i mean sometimes i've got like a take on certain characters that i still haven't got a chance to do but it's very rarely that's you know an offer just comes out of the blue to do something that i am a passionate fan of you know and with the expanse i'm, I'm nuts for that I, I love it you know I, I love the books i love the show i love the whole thing uh so yeah so like it's it and people say this a lot but it literally is a dream job you know i i mm. genuinely love it uh and so you know but it's also kind of terrifying because i don't want to screw it up you know what I mean? You know, because, uh, you know, uh, Dan Abraham and Ty Frank, they really know what they're doing. Uh, and I think one of the reasons the show is so good is because, you know, they they're not only writing uh, episodes, but also, you know, producing it and so on. So they're, they're kind of keeping a, a firm hand on the tiller. Uh, to yeah. make sure it doesn't spiral off and you know and they've just got they've got really good writers on staff you know uh Naren shankar knows what he's doing and he's also you know he doesn't just know story but he knows physics so it's just this rare combination of everything i love in sci-fi just kind of crammed together into a 
into this perfect little package, you know. So yeah, so it's terrifying because <laughs> because I'm following on from these uh, incredibly talented people, and I don't want to screw it up. And I think everybody's got a degree of imposter syndrome when you're, yeah. you're creative for a living, you know, and it kind of goes with territory. Uh, so the whole you know I've got big shoes to fill kind of feeling, but it's nice feeling like I know what I'm doing. I think a lot of the time. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm okay. if I'm writing like James Bond or John Constantine, then I'm kind of like, okay, I understand the ground rules here. I know the character. I know what I'm doing. But, you know, often, especially I've always felt like I'm a, maybe not the most comfortable fit in kind of, you know, big two superhero books where I don't necessarily have that foundation, foundational knowledge of, what you know, like decades of continuity and all the rest of it. So I sometimes feel like I'm just kind of faking it and hoping nobody notices. But with the expanse, it's kind of like, no, I, I get it. I, I understand how this universe works. I understand how these characters think. I understand everybody's motivations, even if they're in conflict with each other. So, yeah, you know, and I, it, it's actually really satisfying to just be able to build on a foundation that's really firm like that, you know. Um, so it's kind of, it's it's actually very freeing because I know what the parameters are. I know what's appropriate. I know how stuff works. Nice. You know? Yeah. But like, but it's also kind of because it's a different medium. I've seen it sort of jump from, you know, a game to a series of novels to uh, to a TV show. Uh, and each time, and they've, they've been very smart in the way they've adapted stuff, you know, like going from, from prose to, to a show, there's kind of like storylines that would have to streamline or kind of bring in slightly earlier on so it feels more smooth and combining characters and stuff like that. Uh, because, you know, in order to, because you have to reinvent things for a different medium. And now doing all that with a comic is like, well, comics is, is, another, is another medium again. I mean, yeah, it's visual, but we haven't got the temporal element to it. You know, um, it's, you know, like Scott McCloud said that, you know, in comics, space is time. You know, the more space mm-hmm. it takes on the page, the longer it seems to last. And I just want to let the characters talk, you know, and there's like, I'm always butting up against the edge of the page or the edge of the issue because I just want more, you know, I just want, I want more expands and I want to, I just want to be able to cram more into every issue, but we've only got 22 pages per issue, you know, and it's, yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's the frustration I'm having. I think it's because I'm having so much fun. I just, I want every issue to be a hundred pages long. And it means that I'm having to chop a lot of stuff out that we didn't really have room for, you know, but you know, that's, that's the job, you know, that's always comics. Everything's got to be sort of hyper condensed. So I'm right. Yeah, they don't give you guys a lot of pages uh, when, like, like, or, you know, when, is, you know, you know when the, when you think about like how comic books work and like, you know, 22 pages and I know, are you one of those writers that like, do you follow that rule and have like a certain amount of words per page uh, kind of mentality or, or do you just do what you want? Funnily enough, when I first started learning how to write comics, I, I did that. I kind of, when I was a kid, actually, when I was a teenager, uh, I was, I always knew I wanted to write comics. So, uh, and at the time I was reading 2000 AD. So I did, I kind of counted how many panels on a page and I counted how many words in a balloon and this kind of stuff. And then when I was about 15, I, I wrote to various different writers at 2000 AD and Alan Grant, bless him. Um, sent me one of his scripts for Strontium Dog. Oh, so cool. To see what first time I ever actually saw a comic script and I could see how it was laid. It was just like, you know, typed, you know, it's kind of pre, pre-internet and all the rest of it. Um, but that was incredibly useful because I could, I sort of had, had that issue, you know, I, I was a su- subscriber, so I could see how Carlos Esquera had taken what Alan wrote in that script and then turned it into what we see on the page and just realizing how sparse a comic script is, you know, like a, like, mm-hmm. like a movie screenplay or something. Um, and it's it's always an interesting challenge, especially when you're dealing with something. I mean, with the expanse, because I come, I've, I've got the actors in my head. You know, when I'm writing a Vassarella, I can hear uh, Shari Dashlu's incredibly, you know, rich, deep voice and her delivery in my head. 
and it's so I, I but my job is only to write the dialogue you know what i mean it, and you know like mm. I'm, I'm not directing an episode of the tv show i'm not directing an actor so it's up to uh ruben uh ruben known as rubin who's the artist uh to convey the expressions on the characters faces and the framing and the composition and everything else you know he's got to do the set design and the costume design and get all the spaceships and the weapons right and everything else so he, he's he's got the hard job you know it's in comparison writing it is a cakewalk um but yes it's it's always interesting because I, I can see it so clearly in my head and I can hear it so clearly in my head that whatever ends up on the page is never going to be exactly the same. That's one of the nice things about writing prose because everybody has their own different version in their head when they're reading it and they're never going to reveal yeah. what it should look like exactly, you know, and that's that's part of the fun of prose. But comics, you know, everything's got to be boiled down into a specific moment, a specific panel, you know, so uh, I don't quite know where I'm going with this. I'm just rambling. But yeah, it's 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 uh, it's I'm enjoying myself. I, I can probably tell by the fact i'm talking so much <laughs> yeah I, i'm like you're getting me pumped up like I, I i love the excitement for it uh i so i've watched i watched the first season right and and it got can't when it got canceled and i was like i was i, was, I like didn't understand sci-fi is bad about that like they i think they spend too much money on stuff and then like run out of money and can't like afford uh, that seems to be like what I've read from like, you know, the, the consensus, but I was so shocked that it got canceled because everybody was talking about it. Everybody was excited about it. Um, you know, it was, it, it's hard sci-fi, but it, it's not so hard that you need like a degree to, to watch it. Right. Um, but it was, it was so cool. And, and then, you know, I was so glad Amazon picked it up and, and then it did well, it did well on prime. Um, and I initially I didn't know about the, the the books. I found out about the books later, and I I would like it's one of those things where you're like I would love to read that, but like it's that's like a big endeavor. There's what, there's six novels or seven nine yeah nine oh wow yeah. wow so and um and as you mentioned like it it, it it's it's a, it's an award winning uh, series uh it, and it's it's obviously got a, a big following a big a big fan base uh, just seeing how everybody's like run into this Kickstarter um and and this the the, the comic is it does it take place it takes place after or before well the, uh, yeah that well you were saying about the show being cancelled they did three seasons on the Sci Fi Channel. It got cancelled because it's a very expensive show to make, obviously, because it's you know a huge amount of special effects required, mm -hmm. um, and they didn't feel enough people were watching it. So you know it happens, but yeah, then the fans did this huge fan campaign to get it brought back by another studio, uh, and Alcon had retained the rights uh, to the adaptation. So yeah, they very smartly shopped it around, and Amazon picked it up, and we've got three more seasons, so six seasons in total, uh, which is ad have adapted the first six books. But there's three more books that have yet to reach the screen. Okay. Um, okay. But because they're, uh, but the, the last three books, there's a big time jump. After what we've seen on TV, after season six, what happens next in the books? There's a 30 year gap before the events oh, wow. of seven, right? That's a long time, 30 years. And it's only very loosely sketched in at the beginning of book seven, like what everybody's been up to for the past three decades. So the, the main characters, like, they're super old now, you know. Uh, when the next really big epochal, you know, universe changing thing happens. Um, so, and everybody's hoping that we will get more. I mean, you know, they pulled off a miracle by bringing it back from the dead once. Maybe they can do it again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I've got, you know, I've got no inside information, but I, I, I know everybody would like to, and I hope it happens. So in the meantime, while everybody's kind of holding their breath and hoping, they figured, well, there's that big 30 year time gap, right? Which okay. is like this perfect playground. There's a big sandbox. Like, well, what happens during those 30 years, right? 
So that was the playground I was offered. Like, well, why don't you continue the adventures of the Rossi crew and of Asarala and Drama and all these other characters that everybody loves during that time period? So my job is to do that in a way that feels like, so instead of just having a random bit of filler that I'm just wedging in there to sort of fill the gap, I'm picking up lots of plot threads and character stuff that was kind of left dangling at the end of season six because you know the, okay. the producers are very smart they know that they want to hopefully make more if they can so there are various things left unresolved you know they, they kind of you know they, they round it off in a satisfying enough way so that if they don't get to make any more it still works you know what, what we've got works but there are still i won't spoil it if you haven't seen it yet but there are you know there's a few little bits and bobs i like you know holden even references it in the final episode well we never did chase up on that last and it's like okay just chill chill you know um, so yeah, so I'm trying to strike this balancing act between, on the one hand, picking up plot threads and continuing them, introducing new stuff, but also and having it all heading in the general direction that things are going to be leading in book seven, but without okay. spoiling what's coming in book seven. You know, for people who don't know yet, you know, not everybody's read the books. So yeah, so it's kind of a bit of a bit of a tightrope act on that one. But like I say, this is what I mean about having a firm foundation. I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing because mm. I do know. You know, I've, I've reread the final trilogy uh, uh just you know a few weeks back and uh so it's like okay i know what i want to i know what i mustn't spoil but i also understand the motivations for all the stuff that happened in like seasons five and six that was leading to that it's kind of building up the narrative momentum for it you know so yeah so that gives me a a, a, a trajectory i guess if that makes sense, I realize I'm, I'm sort of speaking in slightly vague terms because I'm trying to not. Spoil <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't like I don't like spoilers and stuff either. So no, I, I I appreciate that, and, and I'm sure the the, uh, the audience uh, will as well. Um, but so yeah, so we're looking at we're it, and Boom's going to release these like they're going to be direct market too. So I mean, this is kind of like I like what they're I like what they're doing because you can if you like the single issues, you can you can get the singles, you can get them digitally or physically, and 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 they also are doing these hard covers with uh, Kickstarter exclusive dust jackets i think i believe the um i think even if you get this the physical single issues i think they have kickstarter exclusive covers as well yeah. um and but it looks it just is so like it's very it's very exciting and 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 then there's all if you well it's, it looks like they're all sold out i was like because they're yeah they are now they, they had like the crazy metal box editions that had like all the extra goodies and stuff and uh everybody everybody picked those up uh it, it, when you when you're going on a, a project like like this you know crowdfunding is very interesting right now right because it's it's kind of a tumultuous environment for um for indie publishers right now not not necessarily boom like boom's doing well but uh, you know smaller boutique publishers you know we've we've seen like you know aftershock ran into some trouble uh you know idw is is trying to you know, their stock prices are real low like things are really kind of uh, they're scary for like indie comics right now and the, and the creators um and i'm you know i've, I've talked to i do a lot of kickstarter uh, work with people and and, uh, and and you know help promote books and stuff and and um, you know more th this is starting to be like a trend like we've seen we've seen image go to Kickstarter and and do a, a couple hardcovers uh, this is Boom's third or fourth time on Kickstarter they did like they did Power Rangers the boys and they might have done Irredeemable or yeah they they did like Irredeemable and and, and uh, Incorruptible um, so Boom's been on like four this is their fifth one I think and it's you know a, a year ago it was kind of 
not the case. Like you wouldn't expect like big publishers to go to Kickstarter first to kind of, you know, jumpstart the production process. Um, and I, I'm, a lot of us are thinking this is going to become like a more, you know, normative thing. Um, what's like, it, does it, does it affect you and, and, and like how you're working other than like, obviously, you know, looking at the numbers and, and getting excited and, and or nervous. Uh, but you know, like when they, when they approached you about it and like said they were, they were going to do crowdfunding, like did, did that like, you know, what, what was your thought? Like, was it, was it like a new deal to you? Or are you kind of like familiar with it? Or did it, did it make your decision making any different? It didn't because when they first approached me, like there was no mention of Kickstarter. It's just to write a okay. monthly comic and that's, that's what I'm doing. That's my job, you know, cause it's, nice. it's, it's a 22 page monthly direct market comic, you know, that they're also doing a Kickstarter for all these extras, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, special editions, nice hardcover slipcases, all of that, you know, that, that, that stuff's for the hardcore fans, but that's not the core business. The core business is, you know, they're in the, in the direct market business, you know, so, so yeah. So in terms of like my creative approach to writing it, it's completely relevant, you know, to me, I'm still writing the same comic. Um, and it kind of, you know, it makes sense. And, you know, like the, the, in the, in the world of comics, you know, you know, I used to be an editor myself. So I know how hard it is to keep feeding the machine and getting people to actually, you know, pick up and buy stuff every, every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if there's, you know, if you can just reach out and sell stuff directly to fans, great, you know, and a lot of the Kickstarter exclusive, they, they, you know, they're, they're aimed at the hardcore fans who, who yeah. want to pay to have the beautiful hardcover editions or whatever. But, you know, for, for, for most of us, it's kind of like, yeah, I just, I just want to read the comic, man. You know, in which case, yeah, just pre-order it at your local comic shop, you know? So it's, it's, it's not that, you know, it's, not that big a deal for me obviously it's exciting okay. to see that it's you know it's catching fire and it's you know it's it seems that the demand is there you know so i think we're going to be okay <laughs> um, <laughs> i wish i had a cut of that of the kickstarter frankly um, <laughs> right yeah. like, like i said i mean you know i'm such a fan i i practically you know bit their arm off just saying yeah gimme uh just just for a page rate you know and i'm not happy with that you know it's fine uh, i get to i get to have fun doing my job. So I'm, I'm good. You know, like it's, 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 it's a very weird situation. Every tech now and then I have this sudden moment of clarity where I'm like, I'm writing the expanse. That's so cool. You know? And I just get this big grin on my face because, because I love it. You know, I just love it. Yeah. It happened to me before as well. When I, when I was writing the first issue of my James Bond hammerhead and I was yeah. of, like page one, this para- parachute comes down and the silhouetted figure shoots a guy. And then, you know, page two, the parachute just pulls off his balaclava and it's James Bond, you know, and I was, as I was writing these words in the script, I just, again, it's, you get this big grin on your face where you're like, I'm actually doing it. You know, I'm kind of like, this is, this is the real thing. And it's, it's, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah. And it's easy. It's so easy to get jaded in the comics industry. People worrying about, you know, the, the business side of it, you know, the kind mm-hmm. of detail and distribution and, you know, ads and everything. And there's always a lot of bureaucracy involved because you have to, you know, you have, you have to, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. But when it just comes to the me doing my job is just sat in front of a keyboard making stuff up and writing it down. And when it when it's this much fun, uh, it's it makes it all worthwhile. You know, everything else is just you know, that's just background. Yeah. No, I uh, like like I said, like your your excitement is is definitely uh, contagious and 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 noticeable, and and I think. Uh, I, I, that that makes me like excited to see like you know what what you bring to the table when we finally 
that, that's a bummer about some of these things, right? Is it's uh, you know it's, now we're now we're excited about it, but it's it's still so like even though the campaign's going right now, like this the release is still you know far away. Um, but yeah, you mentioned James Bond. That's that's actually how I I stumbled a- across your writing initially because I bought a, a James Bond humble bundle, uh, like the mm-hmm. digital comic bundle, and I started reading these these James Bond comics. Um, because I'm like Bond, my Bond that I when I was younger was like Pierce Brosnan, right? Like I, I that was like the, when I started seeing James Bond movies, and then of course like I, I love the Daniel Craig stuff, um, and and I've seen some of the Connery movies, uh, because like my you know, my dad's real into them. And, you know, but I've never, I never really read the, the comics. I, I kind of didn't know how they would translate. Right. Just like, cause you don't get like, you get action. Right. And there's, there's, there's good action and there's, um, and of course there's like great fighting and gunfights and stuff, but it, it's different in the comics. Right. Cause you're the artist, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the artist to really make those panel, like, you know, from one panel to the other and have the audience like see that movement. Right. And have it like really flow. And so, but when I started reading the bond comics a i was really surprised how dark they were right this like hyper violent he he tortures people like he's he's very ruthless in in the comic books um you, you he fed a guy to a shark like it's like that was like one of my and 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 now that's like one of my favorite moments of any comic book like that i'll that like just like lodged itself in my brain and i'll like think about that forever it was, it was such a such a uh, great scene and um and yeah like the action just really works and the, the double crossing and never knowing who to trust you know and just like they really work well and and it's it's um it's it, they've just been like a real joy to read and and yeah like that's what when i started reading your bond stuff and i was like i i checked out your swamp thing and um you know it just uh you you are making like you make really cool books and and like i'm on uh the ablaze press list now and so i've been i've been checking out um Promethea and like like I, that's even really cool. And it's interesting how, how like it seems easy to your audience, right? It seems how you, you just like easily situate yourself into these like properties um, that you can tell you're excited about, but it's, you know, it's, it's not like your indie comics, right? Like these aren't, it's, it's not your creation. And, and so you're like, you're hopping into, um, you know, a well-evolved, uh, you know, character and storyline, uh, and then, you know, simultaneously trying to make it your own and, and have it, have your voice, uh, you know, stick out. And then also like, you know, appease the fan base, make a great comic, make the character make sense. You're really good at that. And, and that's why I was really excited to, when I saw the, the campaign for the expanse launch, it was like, when I saw your name attached to it, I was like, yeah, that's in a, that's in a good place. Like not knowing that you were like already like a huge expanse nerd, just like you, you just, or you were easily, you, you put yourself into these stories really well. And it, like I said, it, you retain your own voice and, and storytelling mechanics. Like you, you know, your fans of you can tell it's you. Um, but you also like remain really true uh to to the you know the the uh the, like the, the foundation of the characters and and stuff and and so yeah i'm like another reason why like i'm just a big fan of your work you're so talented and it, it's so cool to to see uh I, i'm really excited for like people to get this boom comic you know and, and it, i i think a lot of not comic book readers are i have, have ponied up to this kickstarter campaign too like you said like fans of the novels fans of the show like it's gonna I, you know i think a lot of people outside the, the realm 
sales of comic books are going to experience these graphic novels, uh, you know, too. And I, I, I dig that, right? Like we, we want more readers, right? We want more people to, to read comics and buy them, of course, like it's how the business is going to survive. But I think it's going to bring a lot of outside readers in and, and, and I think they're going to see the, the joys of like sequential narrative storytelling. Right. And, well, and it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. You know, I appreciate it. Like what you, what you just said is like, well, that's, that's what I, that's my, what my job is the way I see it, you know? So thank you. I mean, it's nice to hear that like, it seems to be working because yeah, I mean, I think you put it exactly right. You know, it's, I'm trying to, you know, keep a sense of my own voice in it, but still, you know, without going off the rails and just doing something that doesn't mm. feel like the thing that fans already are invested in, you know? Um, and like, I think half the battle is just picking and choosing the, which jobs I say yes to and which I say no to a lot of stuff. You know, uh, I've been offered all kinds of, you know, superhero stuff, um, which I just kind of like, I don't think I've got a take on that. I don't know if I could, what I would bring to the table, you know, like I'm just not the right guy for that job, you know. So, I, you know, it's, and sometimes you just have to say yes if you need the money kind of thing when you're first starting off in your career. <laughs> you know, you'll just take anything they offer, you know. But I'm lucky in that I've been, I've, been, I've done well enough that I can I can now kind of pick and choose a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, and like, but you know, but on the other side of the coin, I, I think I've, I'm not going to name names, but I've done stuff which I think I was kind of out of my depth or not the wrong, not the right guy for, uh, and it kind of shows, I think. And I, some of that stuff I kind of find hard to look at now, you know. Um, but you know, I, I know when I'm. I know when it's working, you know, and I know when I'm kind of like, I can, I can do my thing, you know, and I hope my thing isn't just becoming stale. Like it all feels the same or whatever, but I like, I guess it's because I grew up reading things like a 2000 AD, which, you know, has always had this, I, I call it kind of crunchy storytelling, you know, uh, rather than smooth. Mm. I've never been a guy for soap operas. I want, you know, the 2000 AD's got a very hyper condensed style of storytelling, but it's also got like very dark humor, a kind of bleakness to it. Um, sort of very mistrustful of authority and so on. Uh, and, and you want, you know, you want twists and shocking moments and yeah, violence, frankly, you know, it's cause I think, I think violence <laughs> should be shocking. I think, especially in superhero comics, we just, once, you know, you're used to people being punched through buildings all the time, it kind of becomes a bit, you know, inconsequential, you know, and I think violence yeah. should have consequences. Uh, I think, you know, like for, like the losers, there's a lot of kind of gunplay in that. But we, or even in Green Arrow year one, where it doesn't really, really have much of a body count, you know, it's just, uh, but we, me and Jock made this decision that, you know, when somebody gets hit with an arrow, it hurts, you know, like, you know, that's, <laughs> it's not like an inconsequential thing. It should, it, so we came up with ways of making it look, even when somebody gets, you know, shot with an arrow, it's, make it look as like the most painful thing you could imagine, like getting shot in the knee or the hand or the elbow it's got just yeah. a bit and wince because it, sh it should, <laughs> it should feel something you don't just shrug off, you know? Um, yeah. I, I hope I, I, I agree. And I, I hope, I, I hope I never know exactly how it feels, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I, I totally agree with you. Cause a lot of these, I, I love big two superhero stuff. Like I, I grew up with it and I still love it, but yeah, it's, um, it's it, there's like there's not there's not always consequence there's not always repercussions and then and of course now like you know I'm, i make the joke a lot that i don't think marvel and dc think that we can count past 12 I, ju I just i feel like they're always like rebooting everything right which is cool like you know josh williamson i, I love him and like i'm so stoked that he got a, a new superman number one and like i'm really excited to to read that and um they, you know but it's uh they're it's always like they these the days of like people getting really long arcs 
arcs are, are kind of like, you know, there's, there's no Peter David Hulk run anymore. You know, there's not, they, everybody seems to like only get a real small amount of time before everything changes again, or some new big event, uh, you know, wipes the face of the earth, like a new crisis event changes everything and, and reverts everything back to a previous state. And, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I really liked your dare, your daredevil run is, um, I, I, I love daredevil and just like the way, the way you handled him and, and like in that, that darkness when he's like, you know, he's, he's possessed and, and all the, the stuff with the hand and, and it was so fun. And I still don't understand, like, I think it was the tie-ins because a, a lot of people, there were people that told me not, to, not to read, um, Shadowland and they were like, they were like, just, just skip that. And I was like, no, I don't want to, <laughs> like, but I read just your issues. I didn't read like all the, all the tie-ins and, and crossovers and stuff. And it was like, just the miniseries was a very pleasant experience. And I, I collect omnibuses. And so like, I'm now forever kicking myself because I didn't get that omnibus when it was normal price. And now it's out of print and you got to pay like a shit ton of money for it. And I need that for like my Daredevil <laughs> omnibus collection. Uh, and I, so I'm hoping one day Marvel reprints it, but I mean, it's, it's interesting, like hearing you say, um, you know, I, I get what you're saying about like not being passionate for like every superhero, uh, and, and having, you know, like, especially when you mentioned like your take on it, like if you don't have like a specific thing to say about it or, or something unique to bring to the table, you know, and I like that because no one wants a, no one wants a, a great writer to, to like phone in a comic, right. It's, we can, people can tell, you know, and, and so, uh, but did, what was, what was different about like, was daredevil a little different to write? Cause he's, he's got like the super senses, right. But he's, he doesn't have super strength and he's not invulnerable. And he's, um, you know, he's very, you know, with his, like you do his religious, the religious aspect. And, and his, it's like, I, I always call his like super human weakness women. Right. Cause it always, I always feel like he's always getting in trouble with like these various women that he get, he gets involved with. Uh, but was he, was that like, a, was that different like to write and maybe kind of easier because he, it's not like as super, a superhero maybe yeah maybe i mean like to be honest like that that's one of the names i wasn't going to name uh so it's nice of you to say that but yeah i think i i think i wasn't the right guy for that job you know and like a lot of really? people hate, hate my run on daredevil you know i've i've well, like, them. A, a, comic shop owner, <laughs> a comic shop owner once told me that he advised one of his customers not to buy shadowland so you're not alone in that you know wow and, like, you know, fair enough man you know I'm, I'm, i was following like brian bendis and ed brubaker and you know like those guys can write you know yeah uh, and it was it was one of those things where the, the the publisher sort of says you know okay here's the story here's what's going to happen uh the hand are going to build a big castle in the middle of manhattan uh and take over and i'm like okay why <laughs> what, what? <laughs> you'll figure it out and i'm like okay so why don't the avengers do something about that they literally just live down the road right <laughs> oh, do else. what are they doing we don't know yet okay so i kind of I, immediately i felt a little bit out of my depth and like i probably wasn't the right guy for that job and i kind of did the best i could with it but i i, I don't know it's it's not it's not my best work i think uh nobody's fault but my own you know i i, I don't so but it's nice to hear that you say you like that one you know uh, the thing i was trying to channel tonally was um electra lives again frank Miller, okay. which I, is one of my favorite graphic novels i just love that it's beautiful and it had this it's got this kind of slightly macabre uh vibe to it almost like a ghost story or a horror story um and yeah so i, I wanted to tie it back to you know the frank miller daredevil stuff that i love you know born again and um 
And the and the original Electra Assassin graphic novel he did with Bill Sienkiewicz, which is in which the hand are worshiping the beasts, you know, that's trying to this kind of demonic figure that's trying to bring around the end of the world. And mm-hmm. they just one of those bits of continuity that just got forgotten along the way. Um, but I never like, you know, like I always say with superhero comics, I can never make sense of the ground rules, you know, like if the hand are a bunch of evil assassins who are Matt Murdock's arch enemies, why would they pick him to be their leader? I, I, you know, a guy who refuses to kill and is there. I just, I couldn't find a way to make sense of that, but that was the brief, you know? Um, and then I realized that, okay, well, there's this continuity going back to, you know, the beast, uh, from the Frank Miller, Wilson Kevich stuff. And I thought, okay, well that, that could be a way of making it, making the brief make sense, I guess, you know? Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot, but you know, there's been other things where I've been, you know, like, like you know, a long, long time ago now, uh, DC asked if I wanted to, you know, reboot the flash from a new issue one, which is like, it's very flattering. It's a very prestigious gig, you know, but I was like, I wouldn't know what to do with the flash. I'm not, I'm not the guy for that job. You know, you need somebody who's passionate about that character, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's a bad character. I'm just saying it, it's, I'm, I'm not the right guy, you know, uh, but, but sometimes the opportunities come along that like, yes, I mean, there's still stuff I haven't got to do yet. I mean, I've got a Batman book I would love to do, but there's, you know, there's so much Batman stuff out there at the moment. It's difficult. Which to, is, uh, you would, you would think that that would be, I, I feel like that cause yeah, they're, they're, they, all the black label stuff they're doing now. Like there's always all these new bat books, man. I would, I would, I would totally dig seeing you on Batman. I think that would be sick. Uh, well, I also I, really yeah, liked your a, Weaver. A, what was it? I did a, a Batman confidential that was like sort of maybe five issues or so. Um, and I, I, I feel like I didn't do, I was, that was a kind of like, so almost like a Tom Clancy sort of techno thriller kind of genre. Oh, wow. I was doing that book. Um, but I would like to do something really dark. I've got, I've, I've got this story I'm quite passionate about, but I just cannot get any traction. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to do like a very, very dark Batman book. And I've got some stuff I'd like to do with Punisher. Um, almost with Punisher as the villain rather than the hero. Um, but it kind of feels like it doesn't really belong at Marvel these days. Uh, the, you know, I, I really want to get into what makes that character so problematic. Um, mm. I think by its nature, it would be quite controversial. And like, if Marvel Max was still around, it might be a good Yeah, thing. I miss that. I miss, yeah, I miss yeah, the I, Max I imprint. The Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon stuff is amazing. And that, that's yeah. like really dark, some of it. Um, but I think it kind of feels like that ship has sailed now. And I really miss Vertigo, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Label's great. But just the you know just the weirdness you would get of Vertigo and just people taking yeah. chances and just treating you like a grown up. Um, and nowadays it kind of feels like everything just feels a little bit more corporate, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more like yeah. But we need to sell the lunch boxes and not offend the mums, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. and, and like yeah, and it's you know whether this is you know publishers pushing a particular style of storytelling or whether they're simply responding to what fans demand i i I don't know i don't you know i'm not i'm not a retailer i'm not a distributor i don't know how all this stuff works but you know the you see retailers complaining about endless variant covers and stuff like this but you know if if people didn't buy them publishers wouldn't print them you know so yeah a chicken and egg thing i don't know what the the truth of it all is yeah there's a stat going around it's like every single comic that releases in the direct market if if you average it out is like every single comic has like two and a half variants it's crazy Yeah, Yeah, Uh, which i mean some don't have any and some have 50 that's what like throws it off right like i remember i remember when marvel rebooted star or brought star wars back and, and when jason aaron started writing star wars and i i think that first issue had 50 
either 50 or 100 variants. It was a ton. It was ridiculous. And then now you have like the store exclusive stuff, like you, you the stuff that's like outside of even the direct market. And these like these stores can you know buy their own covers and do that. That's starting to be a big deal. I used to be really into that. Uh, I, I call myself a recovering variant addict. And I, I used to like, especially when like Hickman did the X-Men stuff, I was really into um, getting like store exclusive variants. And so there's all you're we're already oversaturated in X-Men comics and I'm trying to buy them all. And I'm trying to buy these like awesome X-Men co- and paying like $20 an issue after shipping for these like score, store exclusive variants. And I was, I quickly realized that like, I was like, you either need to get a better job or you need to chill out and not do that. And now I've got, you know, my, my, my friends um, would make fun of me and they'd be like, they'd be like, dude, you're buying all, like you have all these, you know, covers. What are you going to do with them? You just put them in a box. And I was like, but I know they're in that box. You know, like, um, you know, and I, I, every now and then I would have like ideas of like doing a display, which of course I never did. You know, like I see some of the, some of the other YouTubers and streamers, they, they do like walls of like variants and like behind them and stuff. And I've got, I've got some original, like I've got art and some Neil Adams stuff behind me, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm really glad I don't do that anymore. (laughs) And, and I get, I get more, you know, I get to buy more stuff and not just like, five copies of the the same issue i i when i was a kid when when claremont and jim lee were writing the x-men right um i would take my allowance and i went to like they used to they would sell comics at the grocery stores and like the gas stations and i would go to the 7-eleven and i picked up these these x-men covers right and i bought like i bought all these x-men issues and and then realized uh that they all had different covers but they were variants right this is how i learned about variants and it i was so mad and felt so dumb that I bought like five copies of the same comic. Right. And then older me, I've, you know, like I've gotten into bidding wars on eBay and, and, and spent like, you know, some spent, spent some bucks on stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, man, like I need to, I need to remember that feeling of, of like just the disenchantment and losing out on all my like lawn mowing money because I bought the same comic five times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, anyway, it's, it, it's a, it, it, the direct market is weird and, um, it's anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it, but I, I still, like I said, I still love it. I still love, I love the big two. And even when it gets, even when it gets cheesy and, and, you know, repetitive sometimes, like I, I can't, uh, I can't, I, I'll never be able to quit it. Right. It's like, I, I grew up with the X-Men and, um, and I love Superman. Like the, they, I mean, they even brought back like the death of Superman, um, again, um, for the anniversary, which I thought was really cool, but yeah, it's just, uh, I, I also love like, you know, indie, indie comics is a special, is a special realm though. Like, like you just like you know create our own properties and and the, the passion that comes from that or or even you know like when like you were uh, doing like some other IPs and like just like you were mentioning about the expanse like how excited you are for this opportunity because like this is like that's your jam you know and it may not be your baby but it's you're going to you're going to treat it like like your baby right you're going to you're going to be like a good babysitter and and take good care of it uh and so yeah it's and i like that you mentioned you know the the 2000 ad stuff because i do that 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 crunchiness that grit like i see that in your narratives and that that's one of the reasons why again i i I know like uh daredevil wasn't wasn't your favorite but like i felt like you brought that mentality uh to daredevil and you know it's um i enjoyed it i guess i'm my one of my buddies said he doesn't know how i review comics because he says i like everything he's like everything he's like you always like stuff and i was like no 
I was, there's a lot of stuff I don't like. I just don't, I don't talk about it. Right. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like being negative about stuff. If, 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 you know, I think not covering something is says enough, right. I don't need to, I gets crazy how like people like get online and, and like tag the creators and they're like issue two of Superman was dog shit. And they're or, like, this art sucks on, and they're like tagging the artists. Like, I hate that. It like makes me cringe. And uh, so, yeah, I just like, I, I talk about what I like and, uh, and, and I have a, you know, I've, I've built a following from that. And, you know, when I tell people that a comic's worth buying, a lot of people buy it, you know, like, and, and I don't usually let people down. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I, I like, I like that positivity over, you know, like, I, I just don't, I just, I, I don't want to, I was joke and say like, you know, these comics are like, you're, they're your babies, right? You guys, you guys are, you're making them, you're putting your, your blood, sweat and tears into them and, and raising them and seeing what they become. And I'm not going to shit on someone's baby. Like no one wants that. No one wants, you know, baby well, shit on themselves. You don't need to. Like, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, I, was, I wanted to also just touch base because when you, you mentioned like, um your issues with like superhero comics and, and powers and stuff like i really liked weaver and i thought that was like really really cool and and i get and you 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 put like you very much like your own kind of spin on on superpowers uh with that and like did did how, how, how like looking back like is that is that one of the comics like are you like are you is that one of those where like i don't really like talking about that one or is that like no, was that do you, you feel good experience. yeah and that, that was one where it, it was a new it was a new idea but it wasn't mine it was actually nick barucci uh, approached me and said, said that um uh they, they were going to put together like a crime line you know because uh, hmm. like garth ennis was doing some crime books for them and so on uh, but yeah, but it would be like a crime book, but with a with a slightly supernatural twist to it. Yeah, so I, I didn't really approach okay. it from the point of view of a superhero. Um, but but yeah, but you know, I, I like I like thrillers. You know, uh, obviously you can tell from the stuff I tend to do is you know that that kind of crunchy actiony thrillery kind of vibe. Um, but just with a little touch of weirdness to it. And I've always liked you know I've written a lot of tough guys, but I like writing tough guys who aren't as tough as they pretend to be. You know, and yeah. somebody who's stealing other people's powers felt like uh you know like instantly it made me think of well he's kind of a faker he's kind of a con man he's not actually what mm. he's pretending to be he's not as cool or as tough as he's pretending to be um and so and i found that with, with that character it was it was it wasn't you know the cool action hero stuff that people responded to it was it was those little moments of vulnerability where you get to kind of see inside his head and you know find out how he's actually feeling on the inside yeah uh, it seemed to be more the stuff that people responded to with that um and that was that was kind of gratifying yeah uh, it was originally it reminded me of uh ed brubaker and sean phillips like even the art style and stuff too like i i really kind of felt those the, uh, like it, it, it kind of sang with those vibes like that kind of like which was like you know noir with superpowers which i was like i was just totally into it man and um, yeah, that, like, that was another I'm one of my favorites from you and sean phillips so we're kind of like drinking buddies occasionally um he just lives not far from me here um but you know i, lo I love i love what him and ed do together is just, they're such a great team you know uh, and just mm -hmm. like the, just that whole vibe you know the tone uh is like, like something i'd like to see more of in comics you know yeah it's, so, yeah so it's not just you know totally and genre wise but also just in terms of you were talking about just doing a run on something instead of everything constantly being rebooted and reinvented and now they're just doing you know just ogns you know uh and i mm -hmm. think it's that's a really good model i think 
Uh, I, I understand. I like it a yeah, lot. Really like, I love that model. Issue, you get to sell the same thing over and over again, but everybody's feeling a little bit skint these days, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I would rather just pay once for the, for a nice hardback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe the market's evolving, but, but yeah, no, you know, totally. I mean, like, like you said, like noir with superpowers, I mean, they would, they've been doing that forever, you know, uh, and again, gradually the superpowers just kind of disappeared from the books and now it's just straight crime and they're pretty much cool. Yeah. You know, um, I think like maybe, you know, Brian Azzarello and Ed Riso sort of kicked the doors in for crime comics at Vertigo with things like, you know, Johnny Double and Hundred Bullets. And as soon as the yeah. came out, then I was kind of like, I sort of hanging on their coattails, you know, like when we, when Will Dennis first approached me to kind of reinvent the losers, uh, mm-hmm. the first thing I said was, well, can we, instead of it being a DCU book, as, as the original war comic was from the seventies, I said, well, can, can we just do something that's just straight thriller, you know? Uh, and it, yeah, he was like, yeah, cool, do that. But I don't know if I'd have got to do that if it wasn't for the success of hundred bullets. Um, and well, okay. I think the first inspired me was Johnny double, you know, just cause I thought that was a great little book they did, uh, just before hundred bullets. And it's like, well, if vertigo is doing that now, then that suddenly presents an opportunity for me. Um, yeah, like it's, it's just, but you know, it's not, it's not, you know, a quality judgment. It's just like that's the stuff I like, uh, and I, I want to write the stuff. I, I want to write the stuff I want to read. You know. Yeah, um, I'm. I've never heard of Johnny Double. I'm like looking it up right now. That's awesome. I'm gonna have that's to check this good. out. I think it was like four issues. Makes a good little trade. Nice. Yeah, I, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I so I was like an MFA student, and I used to do like creative nonfiction, and I, I was I used to write like short stories, and and I did the deal where like you know, I tried to get stuff published and send it off, and I got I, I got to the point where I was getting like positive rejections, like like I would get like a formal rejection letter, but like the editor would maybe write a note, like you know, not this is cool, not for us or whatever, right? And uh, well, that's good. And, 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 and for most people, because those submissions piles they get is just it's a mountain to wait. Oh yeah. So if they're taking the time to send you a positive note then that's great i mean like stephen king like wallpapered his apartment as a kid with like rejection letters you know yeah uh, so you know that, that's a good sign it means you should keep doing what you're doing you know keep at it I, yeah well and i i tried like i grad i got kind of burnt out with the, the with the grad school deal like it, it like you know it, it, like the excitement from writing and then the the kind of because i know I, I now see like at the time like i, I love the mfa program i had a lot of fun uh and i learned an absolute ton uh but you know there's a lot of people have problems with mfa programs because you get these like you get these teachers that get these jobs right and it's and it's like they're you know they're teaching you like how they write or how they think you should write and it's there's like a big discourse about it but yeah it's, I'm, I'm starting to get back um i'm starting to get that itch right like that that's how blake's buzz started it, it, it you know i i started writing comic book reviews and then like and then a lot of people told me like my reviews were very not like other reviews out there and and a couple of the writers were like yeah well he like someone told me like you can like a lot of reviewers don't know how to write and they were like you know how to write and uh and i when i started kind of scoping the competition that shocked me i was like yeah. i was like does no, no one knows how to fucking use a comma like, a, lot of, <laughs> like, a lot of comic reviews aren't even reviews they will just do like a precy or an outline of like telling you everything that happened so it's basically yeah. a, a, like 10 paragraphs of spoilers it's like that that's not a <laughs> review that's just yeah. it's, it's, telling you what you just read it's weird yeah 
See, I when I write a review, like I I, I put the solicit usually first, right? I, so I get like the solicit from previews, and then that's my. The, I don't I don't rehash the plot, you know. Like uh, other than that, I go into like a scene I really dug, or you know, I, I I'm big on tension. Like I really nerd out on 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 tension and pacing and structure. Um, and so like I, I talk about that a lot, and then of course I'm trying to get better at talking about art. I feel like I feel like I say the same thing over and over again about art. I'm like it's really cool, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't, um, I'm not an artist, so I like when I was an editor, it was really hard for me to give feedback to 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 artists who are made at conventions or who send their work into me, because I just have like an emotional reaction to art. I mean, there, there are technical mm -hmm. craft things like you know, have you left room for the dialogue and you know the kind of basic you know nuts and bolts stuff. But when it comes to you know the you know the the, the art with a capital A and giving them useful advice, so like I'm I'm not the guy. You know, like like in the old days they would have like art editors who could give this kind of feedback, but you know, it's like everybody's so kind of overworked and underpaid these days uh, in editorial yeah. that it's there just isn't you know they, they don't have that resource anymore. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm you know if I was doing a review, I'm 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 like you, I'm I'm not good at giving feedback on, on art and so on. I either like it or I don't, but articulating why can be really difficult sometimes. And I think part of my problem is that I, I, I tend to think very cinematically. I, 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 like I said before, like I have this, I can hear the characters' voices in my head, but I can see framing and composition and so on. Um, and if I'm too prescriptive in the script and I'm kind of, I'm giving the, the artist less freedom to tell the story their way, you know, because it's mm -hmm. a collaboration. I'm not the artist's boss. Um, but of course, that always means that it's going to look different on the page than it did in my head, and then that always, I always find that slightly grating. So it's nice when when I work with an artist who I don't have to over explain stuff because they will ju they just see it the way I do. They kind of innately know where to put the kind of the camera almost of the kind of point of view. Uh, yeah. Like you know, working with Jock is always a pleasure because he just gets it. I can just like write a very brief panel description. Uh, and he understands how to make that moment land. You know, Davide Gianfelice is another one I love working with. He's terrific. He does great action, uh, visual storytelling and the composition. And it's just, it's always just absolutely perfect. Um, so, yeah, but so it's lucky. And you find like, what, that's why I've worked so often with Jock in the past. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's so successful, you know, not because he worked with me, but like his his storytelling is so fluid and innate, but it's still got that kind yeah, of- Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that it's always a pleasure when you just kind of click with an artist like that. But there's, a, like I said before, about like everybody sees their own version in their head. I have been kind of stepping into prose. That's one of the reasons you know, I haven't seen many comics from me over the past few years is because I'm just kind of testing the waters with- I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I really wanted to write novels as well as comics and films and everything mm -hmm. else. It was like, and I kind of got scared off. You know, I got I look, I got a lot of bad advice as a teenager from teachers. I couldn't even do the exams I wanted to do. I wanted to learn creative writing, which now is easy. But back then, this was the late eighties. They were just like, no, that's not something that we we do. Uh, oh, wow. and I, I kind of felt like I, that's that's a muscle I've let atrophy. You know, uh, so I've sort of dipped my toes back into writing some prose, and I'm really enjoying it. I did like a, a Lenny Zero short story that was in the Dread magazine a year or two back, which I really enjoyed doing, doing it in a kind of um, Elmore Leonard in the future kind of prose uh, kind of style to it. And uh, I wrote a short story back up. I don't know if you know Cold Iron. It's a comic I did, me and Nick Brokenshire did in uh, Comixology that Dark Horse are collecting this summer. Uh, and for the for the trade paperback, I've written a short story that's like a sort of equal uh, a sequel or epilogue to to the comic. Uh, okay, that's the the western, right? Say again. Is that the is that the the western? 
No, no, Cold Iron. It's kind of like a like a modern fairy tale kind of vibe, like a oh, okay. fairy tale. Cool. I describe it as like local hero meets Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, it's set on the Isle of Man, which is uh, somewhere that you know, like, is I've got sort of family connections there and so on. So it's kind of Celtic myth meets you know modern life kind of vibe to it. Uh, but but yeah. writing a short story for that, like a prose story, I, I really enjoyed that, and I kind of felt like that's where I started to feel like actually no, I, I do kind of know what I'm doing here, you know. And you can, I like the idea of just re, uh, writing directly to the reader and not having it have to go through uh, all the different filters of all of the different people, like whether it's, you know, fan expectations or publisher demands or, you know, the artist mm -hmm. the and the colorist, each adding their own interpretation, um, which is great. You know, I like collaborating, but there is also something very refreshing at just speaking directly into the mind of a reader and having. To yeah, it's a different them. experience for sure. Yeah. So I'd like to try more of that. Something I'm thinking of doing is, I mean, I, I'm working on a novel, but of course, my first novel, I, <laughs> I very smartly decided to write this huge, sprawling fantasy epic with like six different point of view characters in a completely different world. And so like, that's, that's I'm probably bitten off more than I can chew. For a, for, you know what I mean? And like, somebody's inevitably going to say, well, you should make this a trilogy. So I think maybe what I ought to do is, um, and that's kind of like been put on hold while I'm doing The Expanse and another thing that is not ready to be announced yet. But uh, I, I would like to write some short stories myself. You know, I've got a lot uh, that I've got a lot of notes on and so on. And, I've, and it's, I find it like really refreshing. It's almost like a sort of mental palate cleanser, you know, to just, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. And then, and that's something that's, something that could be kickstarted for example you know or, or i could you know put them out on Substack and then collect them up when i've got enough so yeah mm -hmm. that's, that's something i'm thinking you know that wouldn't be this year but maybe next year when i've kind of cleared my current slate um is something i would like to try more of we'll see do you think um right like so because of how like succinct you have to be in a comic book script um because you know like great writing one of the one of the things like i always is like condense 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 right mm -hmm. and when i studied poetry in my mfa program um that that was very like i learned so much from that because like like one you know every line of a poem you know should in a way like read read on its own like every line needs to do yeah. something specifically and and you have to be you know everything has a meaning and, and you can't really wander necessarily but yeah. when i switched to prose after that you know like i was already i was good at condensing my language i was good at making words matter and and not which is funny because that's not how i talk because i ramble like a crazy person sometimes um but uh, do you think your your script writing be, because of that that same mentality of like you com you combating against the the short the the short page length and just like a, a page of comics you don't you don't get a lot to say uh do, do you think that helps your prose yes uh, i do uh, like I, I i completely agree with what you just said um i've often described comic scripts as almost being like a form of poetry i mean they kind of you know, I write in screenplay format. I mean, screenplays are famously kind of condensed and sparse form. Um, but yeah, but like the poetry aspect comes in, not so much in the dialogue, but just in the panel description. In poetry, you want to have the maximum amount of meaning in the minimum number of words, you know. So that's about choosing exactly the right word to convey exactly mm -hmm. the right expression in somebody's eye or something like this, you know. So yeah, so I do choose my words very carefully. Um, sometimes where you can stumble is, I mean, for, for in a... In a corporate comic, sometimes you don't know who's going to be drawing the script, uh, who's going to be drawing the art from your script, I should say. Mm -hmm. And often it might be somebody who doesn't speak English as a first language. Yeah. Uh, and, if, and if I know that going in, then I'm going to write 
in a, I'll, I might be slightly more long-winded in the panel description, but just in order to clarify exactly mm-hmm. what I mean, yeah. you know. Um, but sometimes, uh, I, you know, I prefer to have that very condensed. What I've really noticed just recently is conveying expressions on somebody's face is actually a really difficult thing to do in a script. And it, yeah, it's right. Reading because it, you're reading a novel, it's not going to go into minute detail about the expression on somebody's face because it just gives you broad strokes and you project into it. Uh, and in a film script, it's not the script's job to tell everybody how to act. You know, that's the director's job. Uh, and so we're kind of not used to reading stuff. Which I guess what I'm trying to say is that in a comic, in I don't want to spell. I don't. I don't like writing where people say exactly what they mean and what it, like this is how I'm feeling because it's just that's just mm-hmm. raw exposition and it's bad writing. So you yeah. want to have a little bit of ambiguity in what they're saying, but have the truth in their eyes or in their face. You know, uh, like you know, that somebody might say they're fine when they're not fine. And the art needs to convey that actually they're not fine. Mm-hmm. But trying to find a language to actually accurately describe various different expressions is really difficult. I mean, like I remember like a few weeks back, there was this stumbled across something on Twitter that turned into frown gates where we realized that the word frown means something completely different over here in England than it does in America. In America, frown, pe- people think frown means the, your mouth going down, like a sad face kind of thing. No, mm-hmm. frowning is something you do with your eyebrows. And they kind of really, and, and every British writer, I kind of tweeted about this a few weeks ago, and then every British writer just sort of jumped into my timeline going, wait, what? Does this explain why I've had so much weird artwork? You know, like because <laughs> language gap, you know. And then I realized, like, you know, there's various different expressions that I want somebody to pull. Like, somebody's going like this, like, what are you going to do kind of face? Like, how do you describe that in a script? for an artist yeah and it's hard because realize we don't actually have the vocabulary for a lot of different facial expressions and when you want to be subtle in what you're conveying on the page because obviously i'm thinking my job is to think in terms of how the artist can can bring this to life and it gets weird it's kind of like i realized there's kind of a a stumbling block here we need to kind of like agree on a vocabulary for different expressions or something you know because everyone (laughs) just gets reduced to you know like oversimplified emoticons you know what i mean uh, yeah, there's a lot of bad acting in comics. There's another reason that, like, you know, Ed and Sean are really good at this stuff, you know, because their characters feel like real, living, breathing humans. Whereas in kind of larger than life escapist stories that we get a lot of in comics, you know, everyone's always snarling in anger or screaming in rage, or <laughs> and it's it's all a bit pantomime. It's all a bit turned up to eleven, you know. And sometimes you yeah. want to kind of calibrate it a little bit more. See, and that's so that's so true. And that's those are the superhero big big two comics that I like when when they remind us of like the human elements of the of like I think that's where like a Superman comic shines, right? I love the big action scenes. Yeah, yeah, like punch somebody through a building. That's it's dope, and especially if the artist makes it look cool, right? But like when when Superman doubts himself, um, like in For Tomorrow, um, you know, or, or when or like in Death of Superman, when when he's like he doesn't know how to defeat doomsday and 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 you like that doubt is having massive repercussions in, in metropolis right those those are the moments that like really make superhero comics mean something to me and that but we get so much of that in indie comics right it, it's it, you know there's there's way you know there's more characterization and and there's uh more time to develop some of these characters too just because like you're making the you're making your own rules like yes you still have editors and stuff and um you know but you, you 
you know, you're, you're not on like these, these crazy, um, you know, big two deadlines where like this all has to happen and, and this certain way. And yeah, you can do what you want, but you, you, he still has to be like at this point because of the next crossover. And you know, that, that, that kind of like character freedom in indie comics is, is what makes indie comics shine. And it's, and for me, like when I see that in, in superhero books, you know, like, um, like in uh, like like Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man, like you know, like the the awkwardness of like Spider-Man in, in high school, and and then like um, you know learning how to be a hero and making a lot of mistakes, like uh, that was great. Yeah. Like um, Tom King's Batman, that's why I like Tom King's Batman so much, is because he Batman gets his ass kicked every now and then, but he always picks himself back up. And and so many people got mad about that because they were like, Tom King just makes Batman get his ass kicked all the time, and I'm like, he does. But he gets back up and he wins and he gets back up and he thinks how to do something differently so that he can win. Like you see, you see Batman like make a mistake and it's like, why do we not want that? Like we're, we make mistakes. Like we, you know, like these, he, especially Batman, he's fucking human. He's just rich. His superpowers being rich and, and he's a good detective too, but whatever. But well, yeah, he, I, I, um, I missed that. Trying again and learning from his mistakes is what made him Batman in the first place. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tom is exactly right. It's coming back to this kind of like the, these human moments. I think like so much of the, the work that Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon did together, really mm. taps into what you're talking about like preacher is amazing I yeah. Mean, yeah it's got lots of kind of crass over the top violence and and you know black humor and stuff but just those quiet character moments i mean the way steve Dillon can just convey the look in somebody's eye and just this yeah. sense of mood and tone just with a few lines is just it's always been extraordinary when i was a kid he did a, a very quick sketch for me at a comic con i was about like oh, 15 cool. or something and it was just like just a few lines but you can just exactly see the look in this character's eye just kind of giving you a sideways squint like what was that kind of look <laughs> you know and it's like boom it's all there you know it's amazing like it's, it's a it's like just reading any steve dillon stuff is always a master class in conveying mm -hmm. you know expression i love it yeah i'll never forget the first time i, I read pre because i you know i was into comics as a kid but i wasn't like I didn't really know about indie comics, you know, it was like, it was all Marvel and DC. And then, you know, when I, then I got into like high school and, and got like, you know, I was like, I got into like video games and partying. Right. And so like, I was like, I was like too cool for comics for a little bit. And then college is when I got back into it. And, and like, I, I one of my professors in my MFA program, like when I told them that, like, I kind of, I wanted to write a comic book and like, and I was the nerd. Like I was like, when I was like sitting at school, I worked at a bar down the street. Right. So, you know, like, uh, you, sometimes I would like hang out in the hallway and read like in between classes or to wait before I had to go to work. And, and like, I would be like, you know, the, the MFA student with like, I had comic books in my backpack, you know, and I'm reading like comic books in the hallway. And, um, one of, one of my advisors told me that, you know, I needed to read more real literature. And then one of my other, uh, one of my other professors was like, don't listen to her. That's bullshit. And, <laughs> but I kind of like some of them like made fun of me for like, you know, reading like, like you should be reading these, like, you know, you, you should be reading like Raymond Carver da, 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 and like, which I enjoyed that stuff too. But you know, I just, I've always, I just loved comics and uh, I, I had the, I same, know, I forgot. I had the same argument with my teachers. Cause like the only thing I enjoyed doing it at school was the, like writing short stories. You know, I loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was my favorite thing. And I loved the fact that, you know, like the teacher would read out the short stories and the, you know, the other guys in the class would like enjoy my writing and kind of like, well, I'm, I'm getting yeah. a buzz from this, you know, it's great. <laughs> I got so much bad advice. Like, uh, that, you know, I'm supposed to like, Jane Austen and Charles Dickens and E.M. Forster. It's like, and I was reading like Stephen King and William Gibson, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, and like, oh, and they're like, oh, that's not proper literature. Like, yes, it is. You know, and yeah. like, you know these guys are giants. Um, and like, I, you know, it was one of my proudest moments was when I got my English teacher reading Neuromancer, you know, but I was having the same <laughs> about comics. They're like, oh, well, comics are just for kids. I'm like, they don't have to be, you know, yeah. it's a medium, dude, not a genre. Um, exactly. But yeah, like things, I mean, this, again, this was the 80s, you know, things have changed un, unimaginably since then. You know, there's mm-hmm. like the way you look, there's courses on graphic novels and creative writing and everything else. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there's still some people and it's, it's usually like ignorant people that are, A, don't read a lot anyway, I feel like are the ones that say this, but like, I feel most of the time now, like comic books is, it's literature. It's all considered literature now, which is, which is great. Like, well, and it's, it, 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 it means that it's crap. <laughs> It's <laughs> also true. Oh man! Uh, well, Andy, I, I know I've kept you a while. I, real quick though, I do I, I did want to uh, talk about Promethe thirteen thirteen because I absolutely loved it. Uh, and and it's it's did so. Did you understand it? Did you understand what was going on? Because that's based on a very very complicated and confusing French comic. I didn't know that initially okay. until I finished the last like the 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 final <laughs> issue talks about like the the twenty spawning volumes like afterwards that uh and and I I that that was really intriguing to me because well a a very cool gig um but also you know possibly a little you know like nerve-wracking and excitement like like what you're doing with expanse right now like hey take this take this you know period that we don't know a lot about and and you know develop it and and make it you know make it you know fill us in fill in the blanks um and this was like you know hey you know um take this dystopia and and show us how it began and i, I kind of thought that that was like a cool writing gig because it was just like they like hired you to fucking destroy the world like that's it's <laughs> like so metal um yeah. it, it but was, I, I really it loved scary. it like the aliens and like the the bodies exploding and like it was so cool and i love the art too and um and then yeah like i just before. it was great when I was, when I was talking about artists i love working with i should have i should have mentioned sean martinborough as well because he's like again i've done a lot of stuff with him we did loads of thief of thieves together a bit of shadow man uh, and that uh so uh yeah he, he's another guy who's like he can just you know take a simple panel description and make it something amazing and the characters mm-hmm. feel human and, and yeah i give him a lot of complicated stuff to draw and he always aces it but probably <laughs> there was like that was it was a it was a it was nerve-wracking because like christoph beck has done this series of like a dozen 46 page sci-fi novels in france mm-hmm. uh which basically is like every single ufo ancient aliens conspiracy theory you've ever heard all mashed into one giant thing uh and it's a lot you know it's a lot mm-hmm. to get and it's got time travel as well and it's like so it's it's a lot you really got to do your homework and so that you know i read all of the pdfs in english i like bought a new ipad just to read them all because it's so much <laughs> and um and i'm like how do i and they said but you know the the brief was to do a you know basically a hundred page graphic novel that kind of as, as an as an entry into that world like how do i condense it all down without just repeating what he's done you know so getting my head around the whole thing was was a big job and to his credit it was will dennis who was editing it who suggested because i said you know how, I don't know how to find a, a, an accessible way in for the reader here. Uh, and it was uh, Will Dennis who suggested, well, there's this missing time on the space shuttle. Why don't you use that as the basis, you know, show mm. us what happened to that crew, you know, because that space shuttle is part of the first uh, Promethe graphic novel. It's French for Prometheus. Okay. Um, and I'm okay. No, that's cool. And also it means I get to do some cool space stuff with physics that works. And I was channeling a little bit of the expanse in that with the whole kind of thrust gravity thing when they get pulled to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had this idea of actually started off originally as like a, a, a somebody who presented themselves as a, 
as a, a seer, like a precognitive, something like this, somebody who can read the future, who stands on stage and says that they were just making it all up, but then it turns out true anyway. It kind of evolved into something slightly different in the book. And I've got an interest in UFOs and so on. Um, it, I don't necessarily believe in little green men and flying saucers, but I think there is some possibly a natural phenomena combined with, I think, probably sort of stealth technology. Uh, I don't know. But, but I, I just find the whole thing interesting. And I, but I also find the kind of cult, cult-like behavior uh, mm-hmm. around ufology to be kind of fascinating as well. So it's kind of kooks and spooks and weirdness and kind of mashed together. So, yeah, so what, once I found that way in, um, then that, that really helped. But it was, but it was, but I, I don't, I haven't really talked to fans about it. I don't, I don't really know how it's been received. I don't know if it's comprehensible. I don't know if I did my job well enough to actually make sense of. I think, I think it worked. Like, like I said, like it as a stand, like it, I definitely want to read the, the following graphic novel. Like I'm excited to check those out, but, I so like I was raised Catholic. I, I'm not really I'm not religious anymore. But you know, you starting it the 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 precog stuff and and using like the Book of Revelations and having that like the, the horns the 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 beast with horns rising from the ocean and it and it was like and it's a fucking UFO and then like the the alien soldiers and like you know the the scorpion t- like I I remember as a kid and my buddy my buddy was Baptist and I was Catholic and he talked to me about the the book of revelation and i was like what are you talking about and he told me to, he told me to read the book of revelation and i read it and dude i i don't i don't know that i've ever been like that scared in my life again because <laughs> i was just like for 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 weeks until like i finally got distracted but i was like i i like i every day i was like the trumpet's gonna blow i was like it's <laughs> it's gonna happen uh same thing when um my dad i i used to be really i was really into aliens and stuff too as a kid and my my dad would let me watch horror movies. He, he'd let me watch Alien at a very young age, and I had like screaming nightmares. And my mom was super pissed at him, um, but that instilled like a deep love for the sci-fi genre, and especially sci-fi horror. And like I remember going to see Fire in the Sky as mm. a kid, and, and how terrifying that was. Like in the, the inside scary. of the spaceship yeah. scenes. Turns out the guy just made it all up. It's just a hoax. Yeah. <laughs> but the movie was scary. The movie was terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like all like the, the skin and stuff that they like kept him in. And yeah, just like the, the probing and the machines. It was, yeah, it was, it was gnarly. And I used to watch sightings all the time. And I would, uh, as, as a child, I was, I was, uh, this is like after my fear of, of revelation and the end of times. But then after that, like, I was fairly certain that like, I was going to be abducted by aliens at any given time. <laughs> and I was like, I was scared. And, 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 and so it's funny, like now, like I love horror and I love sci-fi. Like, I mean, like, love it love it and yeah i i very much enjoyed that that graphic novel you did and it's cool what what it's doing you know because like comiXology i don't i know things are changing and it's, and it's a bummer but it was cool like that came out on comiXology and now a blaze is re-releasing it and but i like that they're re-releasing it as like single they're, they're putting out the singles and then the graphic novel too um i see people buying it i see people i've seen like friends on twitter like posting their comic book hauls and like it's in there um i think a blaze is a great boutique publisher uh they're doing very very cool stuff and i i feel like like just like mark russell's traveling to mars like you you guys have like two of like some really great sci-fi books from them um that that people are excited about um because they're just i think people are just excited about what a blaze is doing uh but yeah it's um i just loved it man and and i like i said i i was excited i was so excited to talk about expanse but you're you have like a really 
solid gift with with science fiction and it it definitely um like you it your tone like sings while you're reading it you know it's like it's like great music and it's catchy and and you think about it later um and i loved i love the time jumps i love the time traveling uh i love the, the just like the aliens and how, how creepy all that was and like the the you know injecting the the nanobots into the eyeballs and shit man like it was just like it was so it was so gnarly and and very very cool and um i had a i had a fucking blast reading it i'm not gonna lie man it was it was very very good and again why i'm like so stoked to like and waiting for like the expanse because i i can't wait i can't wait to see um just your natural gift at at, at sci-fi storytelling combined with with your love of, of the lore and the series and the mythos right like i i think it's gonna be a killer book for them. to hear you say that you enjoyed prometheus because yeah like I, because it's such a, an odd one i wasn't sure how it would how it would go down so that's really nice to hear uh, i tell you like talking about the science fiction thing i mean as a kid i was obsessed with star wars i just wanted kind of escapism the real world had no mm-hmm. interest to me at all i just wanted to escape into the world of star wars whereas my dad was like a real old school hard sci-fi guy you know like for him he's all like asimov and arthur c Clarke and stuff and so my entire childhood was me trying to escape into these fantasy worlds and my dad telling me that actually that doesn't make sense they've got this science thing wrong <laughs> lasers don't work like that that x-wing canopy doesn't look airtight you know so I was like dad uh, so like <laughs> so kind of part of my job became yeah i want that kind of white knuckle escapist entertainment i want to make that i want to make people feel like you know have a good time and be you know thrilled but in a way that also makes sense and that doesn't yeah. you know doesn't, yeah, i don't need to explain how the science works because frankly who cares you know the immortal words of kyle reese in the terminator i didn't build a fucking thing you know um <laughs> but but it's but but it's there if you do scratch the surface then you they do know you know i do know how stuff works and again that's that's one of the reasons i love the expanse you know because they understand you know mass and velocity and momentum and like how rail guns work and how the epstein drive works and how fusion works and it's not just kind of magic force fields and fairy dust you know they it's it makes sense and and it's it's weird that we just hasn't been more of that in sci-fi you know i'm sure if you know you, you read kind of like a, you know old school hard science fiction novels or whatever then yeah they've got the science right but in terms of on the screen especially on the small screen um mm-hmm. like you you generally either get you know escapist entertainment where all of the aliens just happen to look human and breathe air and speak english you know <laughs> like the star trek version uh or you get something that's very dry and technical and not really very you know yeah. accessible yeah you know, it's a hard it's a hard line idea. to walk my dad's idea of a good sci-fi short story is somebody explaining how the spaceship engine works you know like, <laughs> that, 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 not a story dad um, so yeah, but the, in the, in the expanse, you get both, you get, you know, the characters you really care about. It, it's got like something in common with like something like the wire, I guess, in the yeah. about good guys versus bad guys. Instead, you just see it from every, you know, whichever side you're on, they, their motivations make sense from their point of view and that, so it's all about context, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it does have bad guys, but even the bad guys think they're doing the right thing, you know, it mm. might be for like, you know, for the, what they believe to be the good of the species moving into the future or whatever it is. But, but in order to do that, they're kidnapping children or, you know, throwing asteroids at planets or whatever it might be, you know, it's like, that's not okay guys. You know, but <laughs> I love the fact that, you know, it, and the good guys are trying to stop war rather than to win a war, you know, so the, the Rosinante crew are this kind of little microcosm of the entire system. You know, you've got like a, and Martians and Belters all kind of working together to try and prevent wars or shut them down rather than trying to 
defeat the baddies kind of thing. So it just, it just treats you like a bit more of a grown-up, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, cool space battles. You know, it still gives yes. you all the cool stuff you want. You know, it's not like <laughs> it's some ponderous po-face thing. It's still completely cool and badass, but with a brain as well, you know, because you shouldn't have to leave. I, I've always hated that phrase, leave your brain at the door. You know, it's like, I, yeah. I like my brain where it is, you know? It's kind yeah. of, there's nothing wrong with my brain. Chall- so, yeah, I, like challenge me. I love I love narratives that challenge me. Not like I, like I don't want to feel stupid, right? But like, and and I don't want to feel lost. But like, you know, make make me think outside of the box. Make me or or and teach me something too, right? Like yeah. it's it's those that makes that makes stories great. Like, and I, I'm yeah, totally with James, you. James Cameron has always been really good at striking this balance as well. I mean, I think like. Ridley Scott too in something like Alien or Blade Runner it mm-hmm. kind of feels like grounded and you know believable but James Cameron um, it, you know that he knows how everything works in that universe but he also yeah. knows that his job is not to explain that to the audience his job is to entertain the audience but he knows you know uh, how gravity works and whether this is like a rotor driven gunship or it's using like VTOL jets or you know he knows that those big arches on Pandora are actually ancient lava tubes that which the rest of the environment has been eroded by weathering and that's why it looks like you know he doesn't need to explain that to the audience but he knows so he, yeah. he's building this solid foundation on that on that world you know uh, and I think the expanse feels very similar to that in that it's got that grounding, but it doesn't feel the need to explain everything to you. Uh, it's just using that environment to tell stories about people, you know, because it's, it's ultimately it's a good story is about people and human nature and saying something true about people. Uh, yeah. and that's what makes it compelling. Yeah. And that's in, in, in Prometheus, like I, I see that too, like that whole just, well, I mean, the weight of like the, the, you know, the, the main character and, um, you know, how she, she knows the world is, she knows the world is going to end. And, and just the, like, I remember when she's like, but my, you know, my, my cousins and nieces, like I have to warn them and they're, they're like, what's it going to do? Like we, they, they got, they got a few days, like, it's not going to, it's not going to do anything. Right. And just like, I don't know that to, to be in that position, I thought was like, I thought was really intense. And I, I thought the weight in the novel, like, or in the graphic novel, like it worked really well. Um, and just, yeah, the, it really, really flipped my lid when, when we find out that the astronaut is the one that like, Spoilers. was that? Spoilers. Yeah. 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 The, 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 the astronaut tie in part. Yeah. It was, I was just like, I was just like, wow. It was, uh, it was very, it was, it was, it was crazy. And yeah. So just to, to like, you know, again, um, I know I've, I know I've kissed your ass a lot, but you know, just to, <laughs> that, that, that mind and like, how you are able to structure that um because like time travel stuff gets messy i've i've tried to write a time travel story a couple times and it's like you you think you you think you figure it out right and then someone else reads it and they're like this doesn't make sense and then you're like shit um and so just you know like these like portals and time jumps and and things that that you bring in um you know on on top of just like you know the 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 grounded in, in physics elements uh that you use uh like in you know inside the spaceship and what they're doing uh it was it was really really cool and yeah, I, uh, you know, the April, the, the trade comes out in April. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping like, you know, people that people that missed it on comiXology and, and if for some reason, if they didn't pick up the, the, you know, some people just like the trades, but yeah, I'm, I really hope a lot of people snag that trade because it's, it's definitely worth a read. And, and like I said, like when I found out there's like this whole other narrative world and a lot of it too, like I got like, I'm, I'm like excited to well, the, explore the English, that. The English translations of the, the Christoph Beck's French graphic novels, the Promethe 
Prometheus stuff. Uh, it's all in Comicsology in English, so you can check it out. There. Nice. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to explore more of that world, the fact the fact that the trade of, of of our short book is coming out in April. Well, the first issue of the Expanse is out in April. And that's just kind of one of those slightly cosmic coincidences because like, Ooh, that's going to be a good month for you. I wrote Promethe years ago, but they're like my love of the expanse. There are some elements in that book, which are, you know, I was inspired by the expanse. Like the, you know, the, the fact that the main character is this kind of nonviolent Christian was inspired mm. by Anna Volovodov from The Expanse, you know, because I've written so many tough guys with guns over the years. I'm starting to realize, <laughs> well, maybe that's not a great thing to glamorize, you know. It's like, okay. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, these days. I write yeah. the opposite for a change, you know, and it was it was great. It was like, it was very refreshing, you know. So, yeah. I'm glad yeah, it's, um, I just really, I just really like your writing, man. And I'm <laughs> I just really, I, I'm, I'm so appreciative, like you, you were willing to come on my show. Um, I'm so, I'm so excited for The Expanse and I'm, I'm excited for you, like, it's it's got to feel good like watching those numbers climb uh closer and closer to a million i can't i can't imagine what that feeling is um but i know i know i've kept you for a while and, and this was so fun uh andy I, you you mentioned a Substack. like i where like where's a good place to follow you on social medias do, do, do you have the Substack out yet like like let us know where we can keep track of you and keep track of your writing well twitter is the main place uh, i waste time okay. when i should be working uh that's my big distraction <laughs> machine uh so yeah i, lo- I love twitter because it's text-based you know uh, there's yeah. other things like instagram and so on but like you know I'm, I'm too much of a schlub as you can see to like worry about like looking good online um so yeah no twitter is my main thing i've got like a website andydiggle.com which i desperately need to update uh, i'm laying the groundwork for a Substack. i've got it set up i just haven't done my first post yet you know oh, that's nice. something i was planning to do for this year but that was suddenly I've, I've got i've had two big projects suddenly come to life uh so all of the things i've planned to write the Substack are kind of on hold slightly at the moment but yeah but like if people are signing up i'm not going to bombard people with annoying junk mail but when i've actually got something to say i want to write like some of it will be some of the Substack when i finally start writing it will be just updates on what's coming out this month kind mm-hmm. of thing uh, and i need to do that i'm kind of waiting to see what happens with the expanse uh, kickstarter uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, and, but I've got like little mini essays I want to write as well, you know, just about nice. nerd stuff, you know, and about all, just whatever interests me. You know, I'm, I'm very ADHD, which means that my mind is always jumping off in different directions, <laughs> but it means I get like interested in something like talking about the UFO thing, you know, I'm kind of where kind of like, you know, cult behavior meets, you know, uh, defense classified projects kind of stuff you know and high energy physics you know all kind of like has this weird overlap in that one little odd little area so that's something i'd like to write about and everything from that to i don't know i've got an article i want to write about luke skywalker in star wars you know like so it's just like whatever pops into my head but stuff i want to say that's a bit too long for twitter you know yeah um, but yeah but like twitter is a good place to find me uh and if you want to see the other stuff i've written then andydiggle.com is a good place to just check out and my email address is on there so if people want to drop me a line about whatever then i'm, I'm easy to reach very cool well andy this was again like such a like honor to, to get to talk to you and interview you you're, you're a very talented mind and uh su- super easy to talk to and i just appreciate it um I'm, I'll, I'll release this um so I'll, I'll get it out there and and so i mean i know i know the campaign needs it it's hurting but maybe we'll get a couple extra backers <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. we need all the help we can get <laughs>